I want to pause a minute and thank our Sunday school teachers and Tanya Jackson, our Sunday school director, as we have been two weeks now back regathered in Bible study. Good for you. There's been a lot of adjusting that's had to take place in these two weeks and leading up to regathering in Sunday school. So I think it is more than appropriate that we pause and thank those hardworking Sunday school teachers, workers, leaders, volunteers, and Miss Tanya uh, for what they're doing. So we do appreciate y'all bringing everything back and working so hard to get ready and to make it happen. Thank you for that. As we continue this morning in our message series, Father of Lies, we're talking about how Satan lies to us and lies that he tells everyone. Think, lies that wants Satan, to be, Satan wants everyone to believe and wants them to believe all the time, including Christians. We've looked at lies that frequently Satan continues to tell Christians, even after we come to faith in Christ. Sometimes we're susceptible to these lies. And the lie we're going to look at this morning is one of the most prevalent and prominent lies that Satan tries to cultivate in our culture as well as in the Christian life and in our churches. And it's very simply this, your problem is anything but sin. Your problem is anything but sin. But God wants us to see that our problem is sin because when God exposes our sin, we are capable of forgiveness. That's exactly why Satan does not want you to believe that you have sin in your life, that your problem is anything but sin, because Satan does not want you to confess your sin and be forgiven, and especially doesn't want you to have a relationship with Christ. So Satan continually repeats that one lie in culture, in churches, and even to Christians, your problem is anything but sin, but God wants to expose that sin so we can be forgiven. When I came in this morning, I was reminded of, a, of kind of a problem we've had through the week this week. It's one of those post-COVID gifts that keeps on giving, fruit flies. Did any of you see the fruit flies in the foyer when you came in? I hope not. By then, they, maybe they had, they had dissipated. Pastor Mike and I come in pretty early on Sunday mornings, and we were greeted with a host of these little guys, uh, and they've been kind of milling around in the church this week. Like I say, it's just from opening things back up, and you'll be glad to know Orkin's on its way. They'll be here this week to help us take care of that. But what a strange thing, isn't it, to come in and we've got new flooring in the hallways, freshly painted rooms and hallways, uh, a good look overall, pristine building. It looks great, cleaned up, and now we have fruit flies in the foyer. It kind of reminds me of the way sin is in our lives. We want everything to look good from the outside. We want everybody to believe that we're okay. We even want God to believe that we're fine, that we have no sin in our lives. But the one thing we cannot deny is the fruit flies in the foyer. We have a problem. And it just continues until we do something about it. Satan wants us to constantly say or think that we have a problem, sure, but that problem is never sin. So that we don't confess our sin and be forgiven. This is what's being hoisted on us in our culture. If you think about it, over time, we have, we have been taught in our culture, this is the problem, that's the problem, that's the problem. And right now, the growing movement in the last year is that our primary problem in our culture is racism. That goes all the way back to slavery in our nation. The 1619 Project uh, wants to teach in it throughout our school system and, and our colleges and universities that, and this is a quote from the 1619 Project, that the centerpiece of our nation is slavery, unquote. 
Not religious liberty, not human rights, not sanctity of life, not that we abolished slavery in our nation, but instead that it's the centerpiece, it's the primary problem of our nation. And to get all Americans to focus on that primary problem, and it resonates, it echoes with the way Satan works in human life and in our culture. Get everybody to focus on this rather than the main problem, which is sin. Now, don't misunderstand. Racism is an egregious and reprehensible sin. It is. No doubt about it. But as a sin, it's a symptom of a problem that's deeper, that we are sinners. And that's what Satan wants to avoid us catching on to. And he certainly doesn't want us to call sin, sin. We just call that a problem. Well, there's a problem and we need to fix it. We'll fix it by legislation. Uh, we'll fix it by education. We'll fix it by indoctrination. Whatever we have to do to fix that problem. But what we don't do, because what he doesn't want us to do, is admit that the underlying problem is a problem all of humanity has that that we are sinners. And all of these other problems are typically expressions of that one underlying problem. We sin and have sins because we are sinners. Now, I want to stop right here and clarify before I go any further what we mean by those two terms, sins that we have and that we are sinners. Because even Christians today might have a hard time defining those terms and truly understanding what the Bible teaches about that. What the Bible teaches, in, in summary, is that all human beings are born into the bloodline of Adam and Eve. In the spiritual bloodline of Adam and Eve, it means that we are sinners. Our condition is a condition of sin. Our nature is a nature of sin. We naturally disobey God. We naturally do not do what God wants. Uh, and we live under that, in that sinful condition. The Bible says, conclusively, all people have sinned meaning all people are sinners. So as a result of that condition, we sin. Now what our, what our inclination is, is to focus on the outcome, the individual sins, uh, uh, which is kind of a symptom of the fact that we're sinners, but we focus on that thing, on those problems. And Satan's fine with that, by the way, and he doesn't want you to call it sin, but as long as you're focusing on that, you're still not realizing that the issue is your nature. You're a sinner by nature, and that's your issue. God solves this problem by exposing those sins and then saying, why are you doing that? Why, why do you do these sins? Why do you do these things? We do them because we're sinners. So what God does is he gives us the truth about ourselves. We are sinners. That's why you sin. What Satan does is he says, you've got a problem and let's be sure we don't call it sin. You've just got some problems you've got to solve. Do it by education, indoctrination, legalization, whatever. But let's not call that sin. But God exposes our sin so that we can be forgiven. Satan lies about our sin so that we won't be forgiven. So that we won't confess it. So that we won't humble ourselves. So we won't trust Christ. He keeps us diverted and distracted calling it other things, just, just don't call it sin. How do Christians do this? Christians fall into this at times as well. We say, we have a problem. My spouse is inattentive. But the truth is, we're thinking adulterous thoughts. We're sinners. We say, we have a problem. I don't have enough money in the bank 
I've got a bank, I've got a job problem, I need a new job, I need to make more money. What we're doing is denying that we're poor stewards. We're not following God's principle of financial stewardship. And maybe worse, we're a gambler. And we're addicted to gambling. Uh, we say, those people, they, they, they don't understand me. I need to talk to somebody about that. I need to get people on my side because they don't understand me. We're ignoring the fact that we are divisive and sowing dissension in the church. We're sinners. Uh, we say, well, so-and-so did to me in the past. They should have never done. They should have never done that to me. We, we point out that other person's fault, that other person's wrongdoing, and we're ignoring the sin of unforgiveness. We're unwilling to, to let God work in our hearts to do what God has called us to do. Satan says, don't call it a sin because then you're going to gravitate toward forgiveness it's somebody else's problem. It's a problem in culture. It's a problem in the family, but, but it's not a sin. God says, until I expose that sin and you confess it, you can't be forgiven. But God exposes our sin so that we can be forgiven and have a right relationship with him. If you have your Bible with you this morning, find with me the New Testament book of 1 John, almost all the way to the end of your Bible. The book of 1 John written by the same John, the apostle that wrote the Gospel of John and wrote the book of Revelation and wrote two other very short letters that we have preserved, that God's preserved for us in the New Testament. But we're going to go to 1 John and chapter 1. Now, as we read this, I want you to, to know something very uh, important about the letter of 1 John. John wrote this letter to Christians, and he wrote it to help Christians confirm that they were saved in Christ. And he, right off the bat, uh, he opens the door to this question. Well, if I'm a sinner, if I'm a saint or a Christian, if I've been saved in Christ, does that mean that I'm incapable of sinning? That, that I, it'll never happen? And throughout the letter, he addresses this back and forth. The short answer is, you don't have to sin. Now that you're a follower of Christ, you've been forgiven of your sins. You do not have to follow the temptation. You do not have to sin. But if you do, you need to know what to do about it. And what you don't want to do is look at it and say, that's not sin, that's just a problem. So John gives us some guidance by the inspiration of God. He gives us some guidance into how God interacts with us on our sin and what God wants us to know and what God wants us to do based on what God is doing when you have sin in your life. So God defeats Satan's lie of whatever you do, don't call it sin. He defeats that by exposing our sin to lead us toward forgiveness. God's truth is that we are sinners, therefore we sin. And even when we're saved in Christ, we are tempted to sin. And if we do, we can still be forgiven in Christ. Look here with me, 1 John chapter 1. We're going to read verse 5 and then we're going to jump down to verse 8. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. John says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. Now jump down to verse 8, and we're going to read all the way to chapter 2 and verse 2, uh, because that's John's thought. That's how he's thinking. Those things go together. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Verse 5 states a principle. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. This principle, John states, for Christians who read this letter and listen to what he says. He's making the point that our understanding of sin and forgiveness doesn't start with the world around us or even our own experience. It starts with what God says, and even more importantly, God's nature, in that sin is incompatible with the presence of God. God is light, and there is no darkness in him or in his presence. Sin is incompatible with the presence of God. The two cannot coexist. Along with that, that means whatever God says about sin is absolutely the truth. It always is. In this series, we've talked about that God's truth is absolute, universal, outside of ourselves, truth. In contrast to our human nature and that of our culture now, which says, my truth is the truth. My opinions, preferences, and feelings, that that's truth for me. But the Bible disputes that. The Bible says that God's truth is truth, and it's absolute, unchanging, unyielding, and universal. It applies to all people all the time. And we can be confident of this because God has established his truth in his word, which includes an understanding of his nature. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. So believer in Christ, remember, sin is incompatible with the presence of God. If you have sin in your life, you have a problem with the presence of God in your life. You can't have fellowship with God. With you, have, you have unconfessed sin in your life. You've got a disruption of that relationship in your life. So that's our principle, that's our starting point. It becomes more important as we go along because you would think from that principle that God therefore would dismiss you. If God himself says that you are a sinner and, God, and sin is incompatible with the presence of God, it can't come into the presence of God, you would think that God would say, off you go, I want nothing to do with you. But instead we find that God has laid a plan for you to come back to be forgiven and to be in right relationship with, with him. Through Jesus Christ. It's an extraordinary expression of God's love for you that he would do this. Let's break it down just a bit. I want you to see with me three truths. What God is doing and how God responds to you in your sin and how he leads you toward him, draws you to confession and forgiveness. The first thing is that God exposes our deception. We deceive ourselves. Verse 8, John says, we deceive ourselves when we say, I have no sin. There's no sin in my life. My problem is anything but sin. And John says, we deceive ourselves when we say that. And the truth is not in us. Now you'll notice he doesn't attribute this lie, this deception to Satan directly, but he does indirectly because in John's mind, as with all of the Bible, Satan is the father of lies. We saw this in the first installment in the series, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44. Satan is the father of lies, Jesus says, and Jesus says then he has no truth in him. So when you and I say, I have no sin, we are echoing the lies of Satan. And it indicates we have not digested the truth of God. There's no truth in us now. That digestion of truth, that taking the truth of God and putting it in our hearts, in our minds, it would prevent us from even thinking 
I have no sin in my life. My problems are not sin problems. John says you are deceiving yourself. The the term translated deceiving means misleading. You're walking away from the truth because you haven't ingested it. Satan is a liar and a deceiver. So he's always behind this deception. He's the one cultivating it in our cultures and trying to get believers also on board with these deceptions. It's the truth of God that keeps us in the truth. It's the truth of God that that exposes what sin really is and what our problems really are. Uh, Two of the main deceptions that Satan likes to cultivate in our lives uh, go something like this. The first one is, I do not need to be forgiven. It's the temptation of pride, the sin of pride. I do not need to be forgiven. I have no sin in my life. I have no problems in my life. It's always the other guy, the other girl, the other person. It's their problem. It's the government. It's politics. It's economics. It's their problem. I'm fine. I do not need to be forgiven. The other deception Satan likes to cultivate in our culture and in our lives is that I cannot be forgiven. The first one is pride. The second one is shame. My life is such a mess, my past is so tainted, I am so evil that I cannot be forgiven. But God responds to both of those with the truth. The truth is God exposes your sin so that you can be forgiven. The truth is God exposes your past so that you can be forgiven. The truth is God wants to forgive you. God has laid the groundwork to forgive you in Christ. That's the truth that must be grasped and digested and taken hold of. So the first thing God does is he exposes this self-deception, this lie from Satan that I have not sinned, I don't need to be forgiven, or maybe put it the other way, I've sinned so much I can't be, but the main one is that sin of pride. I, I have not sinned. So when we realize that that's a deception, when we realize that's not the truth, what do we do? How do we respond to that? That's the second thing God wants us to see. God accepts our confession. God accepts our confession. God is waiting for you to acknowledge that you do have sin in your life, that that is the truth. You have sin in your life. He exposes that sin, and then you can confess it. Pastor Mike, earlier in the service, acknowledged the social distancing still going on here. I like that, but but you and I know the truth. You know why people are not sitting from, from row four forward? When you left in March 2020, that camera wasn't there, was it? And in the back of your minds, you're thinking, that thing, I'm going to be on camera if I sit too close to the front. The good news is you will not. That camera is designed, it's specifically trained to be here and right down there. And if you're sitting on the front row, it might get the top of your head. But, But no worries. That's the good news. The other news is there are other cameras in the room. And the camera operators can manipulate those cameras any way they want to. We have this, this desire to hide, to stay anonymous, especially when it comes to our problems and our sin. We, we want everybody to see what we want people to see. We want to see the, the outward look. See how good Bob looks? And then in the privacy of my own home, I don't let people know what I do. And 
the sin that's in our lives. That, that's what we want to really hide. And God knows that if we continue hiding it, if we continue calling sin anything but sin, it will not be forgiven. The first step toward forgiveness is to confess, admit that you are a sinner and you have sinned against your God. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John says, make no mistake, God is faithful. Here's your part, John says. Here's your part, and then God does his part. Here's your part. Confess your sins. The term translated confess, here and elsewhere in the Bible, means agree or acknowledge. It means agree with God what God already knows. It means acknowledge what God already says. God already says that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness and cleansing. Just admit it. Confess. Agree with God. Acknowledge what he already says. That's your part. That's my part. Once God exposes that self-deception and says you do have sin in your life and even shows you what that sin is, you need to confess. Agree with him what that is. Now, here's God's part. He is faithful and righteous, John says. That's his character. The term faithful means he's reliable and ready. He's always the same, always faithful, always reliable, trustworthy, and ready, but he's also always righteous. He is a just God. He is incapable. Sin is incapable of being in his presence. It's incompatible with him. He's light with no darkness, and he is always just. So we would think again, that's the point at which he would, he would push us away. But John says, no, no, no. No, no, watch this. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin. We come to him like children and confess, God, you're right. I did exactly what you said I would do. I, I, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I need to be forgiven, and I need to be cleansed. And we find there our judge who is just and who is always righteous. And he's always the same, reliable and trustworthy and ready. Ready to do what? To call you up to the judge's bench and forgive you of your sins. Get this, the term translated forgive means pardon or cancel your debt. Because you've confessed. You've said, you're right, God. I've sinned against you. I am a sinner. And he's always faithful and righteous to call you forward and cancel your debt and forgive you of your sins. I like that John says, that specifies, he doesn't say forgive us of, of somebody else's sins or sins in general. Forgives us our sins personally. He forgives us our sins. And then he follows with this. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God gives you that opportunity to start over with him. Cleanses you from all unrighteousness. One of the folks in the Bible that was so taken by what God had done for him and knew his sin so deeply and therefore embraced so lavishly the grace and forgiveness of God was the Apostle Paul. And in 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And listen, he said, and I'm the worst of them. 
Uh, he would never say, I have no problem, or it's somebody else's problem. He would never say, I, that's not sin. It's anything but sin. Paul said, no, because I say it's sin. I confess it's sin. God is faithful and righteous to forgive me of my sin. And I'm the worst. I'm the worst. What a contrast to the way most Christians behave today, and especially how the world behaves today. The world says, we have no problems. It's somebody else's problem. Christians fall into that lie so often. Call it anything, just don't call it sin. It's somebody else's problem. Paul said, it was my problem. I was the worst sinner you'd ever meet. And God forgave me. God forgave me. Far from pushing me away, God called me home. Because I confessed to him what he already knew. Yeah, I'm a sinner. And not only did God forgive me, Paul says, and the Bible says, he cleansed me, gave me hope, gave me purpose, brought me home. So first, to bring us toward forgiveness, to expose that lie, God exposes our deception. God accepts our confession. Then God secures our redemption. God secures our redemption. Look at this again with me, verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, now notice this, there's a change uh, in the statement. First is it was if we say we have no sin, now it's if we say we have not sinned. We make him a liar, and his word, that is his truth, is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. So you, you don't have to sin, but if anyone does sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Here's John's point. If you go forward at any time now and you say, I have not sinned. I didn't sin in the past. Not sinning now. Not only are you denying your sin, you're saying that God is a liar because God says you're a sinner. You're saying that God was wrong to send Christ to the cross. You're saying the whole thing was a big mistake and you know yourself better than God knows you. You actually call him a liar. And similar to the statement, the truth is not in you, here John says, the word is not in you, not in us. It's the same thing, the truth, the word of God digested in us gives us the right perspective on the cross and what Christ has done for us on the cross. And not only just for us, but for the whole world. This is unchanging, absolute, universal truth. What God has done for you, God has done for me. And all those who would confess their sins and trust Christ as their Savior get to experience that forgiveness of sin and become followers of Christ. And, and John says, if you sin, you don't have to, but if you sin, you know that God is always faithful and righteous to forgive you of your sin. Just confess it. Cleanse. Be cleansed and, and move forward. Because that's how God works. And that's what God is waiting to do. Satan's lie is, hey, the problem is anything but sin. It's other people. It's mistakes you made in the past. It's uh, your co-workers, your boss, your spouse. It's racism. It's uh, the way America started. It's where America's been doing. It's politics. It's economics. It's all these things. But it, it's anything but sin. Satan's happy as long as we don't call it sin because then we can't be forgiven. And he knows that. 
Calling it anything but sin keeps us from being forgiven. But then when we get under the stark light of God's exposing presence, we realize that deception. We realize that, that God's truth is sin is the primary problem. We certainly need to take care of these other things, need to be working on those things, but we can't live in denial. Sin is our problem. Humanity, the sin in humanity, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And when we disobey God, that sin must be confessed to Him. Believers in Christ... This happens in your life. You may have a sin in your life right now. You have been saying it's, it's not a problem. Or, or say, here, here's our favorite. I can handle it. I can handle it. How's that working out for you? And God is consistently showing you, exposing that deception, exposing that lie, and saying, here's the truth. You do have sin in your life. Confess that to me. Let me cleanse it. Let me move you forward, let me get you back in right fellowship with me, God says. And so believers in Christ, that, that's us to begin with. Is God showing you sin in your life that you need to confess? And for those who have never trusted Christ as your Savior, it starts with the fact that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's your condition. That's your nature. And that's the first thing to address. You can't deny it. You can't keep pretending it's not there God keeps pointing it out and saying, this is why Christ died for you. Not just for you, but for the whole world. For the whole world. Because Satan is deceiving the whole world. But each decision is personal. That you would come to Christ. Be forgiven of your sins. Let God cleanse you. And let God give you his perspective. Let God use you in doing great things for God. 2007, a gentleman in the Yunnan province of China started having headaches. Uh, and then from the headaches, he started suffering from breathing problems and bad breath. And this went on a year, went on another year. He took aspirin. He, he went to the doctor. Nobody could figure out. He said, I just got these excruciating headaches. And they started, all, just suddenly started in my life. And, and the doctor said, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Don't see what that is. And they just kept telling him, take aspirin. <laughs> Do your best, take a painkiller, do your best, and get some rest. You must be stressed out. This went on for four years. 2011, he finally was put in front of some specialists. The specialists then took x-rays and discovered he had a four-inch knife blade embedded in his head. The knife blade had been corroding inside of his head, making all of his problems worse. Far from getting better, Things just getting worse. Then he suddenly remembered that in 2007, he was beat up and robbed on the street. And the person who robbed him had a knife. He never knew he had been stabbed. And the doctors said one of the reasons they didn't, it took so long to discover it is there were no entry wounds. They still to this day have no idea how that four-inch blade entered into his skull and left no entry wound at all. But there it was. Once extracted, once the problem was gone, he started feeling a lot better, and his breath got better. Much to the joy of his family and friends. Denying that we have sin in our lives is like taking aspirin to address a different problem. The problem is we are sinners in need of forgiveness. And if we have sin in our lives as a result of being a sinner... Confess that to God. Let him cleanse you. Let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you. But as long as you're 
disagreeing with God. I have no sin. That's not my problem. You're not aligning yourself with God's truth. You're aligning yourself with Satan's lie. Call it anything but sin. Satan says. But God says, first of all, it's sin. And I've already taken care of it for you if you'll just admit it. Confess it and come home to me, God says. So I'm going to pray for us, church family here in house and at home. First, if you're a follower of Christ, and God's been showing you there's sin in your life. You've been calling it another problem. You've been blaming other people. Whatever the case, you know what it is because God's speaking to you about it. Now's the time to confess to God what he already knows. There's sin in your life. It's time to own up. And when you do, you ask him for forgiveness, and God will forgive you. He'll cleanse you because he's righteous, he's fair, and he's faithful, and he loves you that much. And he'll help you move past it. He'll help you get on with things. Now, if you're in this room or at home, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it starts with admitting the truth. Yes, God, I'm a sinner. I know that I am. I know that I disobey you. I know that I've tried to be good and nothing changes in my life. It's admitting that to God, confessing what he already knows, and then trusting Christ as your Savior to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you of unrighteousness, so you can have a relationship with him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we gather in this place and at home, God, you're speaking to our hearts. You're speaking to us, God. As followers of Christ, Father, we would like to think there's no fruit flies in the foyer, but sometimes, Father, those things are right in front of us. You're showing that to us all the time. God, I pray right now, if there's sin in our lives that we need to confess, you would show that to us. We would confess it. We would agree with you, God. You would forgive us and you would cleanse us. And God, most of all, forgive us for saying that it's not sin. For saying, I have no sin. God, forgive us for that. Father, cleanse us that we could move forward with you and in our relationship. And Father, maybe there's one in this room and one at home, God, that this morning realizes that they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. Trying to be good, uh, trying to attack social causes or uh, get involved in this problem and that problem and looking at their own problems as things they can solve. But realizing now the underlying problem is sin. God, how I pray that they would trust Christ today as their Savior. Father, maybe some of us need to renew that relationship with Christ. A long time ago, or maybe just recently, we said we trusted Christ, but we realized nothing's changed. Nothing's changed in our lives. So God, this morning, I, I want to pray for believers in Christ, that we would confess that sin, and I want to pray for those who need to trust Christ today, that we would put all our faith in Jesus Christ, beginning with admitting, confessing what you already know that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, this prayer with those who would trust Christ today. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am, and I know that I can't save myself. As hard as I try to be good, I can't. And I know, God, that it's not about social causes or problems. It's about me. So, Father, today I confess my sin to you. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And you raised him from the grave today. So, Jesus, I ask this in faith. Come into my heart. 
into my life. I repent of my sin. I turn away from that old self, that old, those old habits, and I, I follow Christ today and commit my life to Christ today. For all of us, God, that pray these prayers, I pray, Father, you'd start changing us, shaping us, moving us forward, bringing us back into fellowship and strengthening and strengthening that relationship that we have with you today. God, may we leave this place knowing, Father, we, are con we have confessed our sin before you. We're accountable and we're ready to serve Christ. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name.